story of Bart Millard, who is the lead singer of the Christian group Mercy Me. And he wrote the amazing song, I Can Only Imagine. The song says, I can only imagine what heaven will be like. I can only imagine walking by Jesus' side. I can only imagine. Each of you have your own thoughts and ideas about heaven, your own imaginings. But God's Word also can enlighten our imaginings. God does not tell us a lot about heaven. We don't get a lot of those details that we would love to have. But in the book of Revelation, John had some visions of heaven that God told him to write down for us. So last week, we, we were in Revelation 4. And it was a vivid description of the throne of God which represents the very presence of God in heaven. His glorious, majestic, powerful, righteous, and holy presence. And the centerpiece of heaven is the throne of God. Well, this morning I want to go to the end of the book, to Revelation 21, and I want us to imagine what eternity is going to be like. What is eternal life going to be like? Because the hope that we find here can sustain us through all our days on this earth. So I'm in Revelation 21. I'm going to start with the first verse. It said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death 
or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. John begins by describing the church. It's what he calls the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. The people of God. Us. And he describes it as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I have had the privilege to officiate at hundreds of weddings and I never cease to be amazed at how being a bride transforms a woman. I usually meet with a couple about three times prior to a wedding, do some premarital counseling, uh, plan the wedding itself. And the woman usually comes in dressed very casually, blue jeans, maybe a sweatshirt, t-shirt, nothing particularly done to her hair, many times no makeup or anything, flip-flops, just, just very ordinary, very casual. And I see her that way several times. But then on the wedding day, I'm standing here on this first step, looking toward the back, and the music starts. And this woman steps around the corner. And I go, wow. <laughs> That's the same one I've been meeting with for, for three months? I mean, she's in an elegant dress. Her hair and makeup are perfect. She is absolutely beautiful. And that's the image that John wants us to have here. He said, you know, the church on earth, the people of God, us, we're not so perfect. We have our imperfections. We still have the stain of sin uh, in our lives because of our sinful human nature. But on that day, when we are before God in His eternal kingdom, all the imperfections will be gone. We will be like that bride, beautifully prepared for the groom, who is Jesus Christ. He wants us to understand how beautiful heaven will be. Think about the very best day of your life. I'll give you just a moment. The very best day of your life and how you felt on that day. You know, for a lot of women, their wedding day is considered one of the best days of their life. It certainly was for Sue. <laughs> right, honey? Help me out here. Help me out. Come on. I had a 50-50 shot on that one. Uh, but you know, after 39 years, you might have a different perspective. I don't, I don't know. But, but the very best day of your life on this earth, compared to an ordinary day in heaven, not even close. Not even close. An ordinary day in heaven will blow away your best day on this earth. That's how wonderful heaven will be. The Apostle Paul says that the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. 
all of the temporary, transient things of this life, this world will just fade away. And only that which is eternal will remain. Knowing about the beauty of heaven helps us to endure the hardships of earth. The Revelation was written at a time when the church was being heavily persecuted by the Roman Empire and many were being martyred for their faith. Christians were struggling. Christians were suffering mightily. And John wrote this Revelation so that they could have the hope of heaven in their hearts. He wanted them to know that suffering, hardship, the temporary, while the blessings of God are eternal. I like what the Apostle Paul said. He said, therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed every day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul's saying whatever you have to go through in this world, compared to the glory of heaven, not even close. Every tear you shed in this world Every heartache you endure, every sacrifice you make will be honored in heaven. And erased by the glory of God's presence. Back in Revelation 4, we talked about how wonderful it will be to be in the presence of God. And John continues that theme all the way through chapter 21. In 21.3, he said, The dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The glory of heaven is the presence of God. And in the presence of God, not only will sin be erased, but all the effects of our sin will be gone. That's why John goes on to say that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. Think about that. Every time I read that, I get the image of a mother. She has a small child, and the child comes running into the room. Mommy's crying. Maybe she skinned her knee. Maybe her sibling took her toy away. But she's upset. She's distraught. And the mother brings the child in close, hugs her, takes a tissue, wipes the tear from her eye, and says, it'll be okay. That's the image here. That we live in the sin-sick world, we live all through all the hardships and the messiness of this life, and on that day when we go to heaven to be with the Lord, it's as if He embraces us and wipes that tears away and says, it'll be okay will be okay. Sometimes I get called to 
hospital or a home and someone is dying, they're either in the last days of life or possibly the last hours or minutes. Whenever I get that call, I can't help but think, what do I say? You know, what am I going to say to this dying person that's going to make any difference? And I just ask God to give me what he wants me to say, because I got nothing. I got nothing. And you know, one of the things he often gives me to say is I, I'm there with the person, I take their hand, I look them in the eye, and I say, there's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. And they know I don't mean that they're going to get up out of that hospital bed and they're going to be fine, that they're suddenly going to be uh, okay from whatever illness they have. They understand that what I mean is, there's a better day coming, but it's not here. It's there. That soon you will be in the presence of the Lord. And quite often they will smile at me and say, I know. I know. There'll be no crying in heaven. There'll be no death. There'll be no mourning. There'll be no pain. Think about it for a moment. In heaven, there'll be no hospitals. I'm sorry, Corey, there'll be no funeral homes. Sorry. No cemeteries. No prisons. No divorce courts. All of those things that bring hardship and heartache to our lives here. perfect example for us is Jesus Christ himself and in Hebrews 12 2 it says let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God Whenever I, I read about or watch a movie about the, the crucifixion of Jesus, I just have to wonder, how did he do that? Yeah, there was so much pain, so much suffering, so much uh, heartache and disappointment in his followers who betrayed him and deny him. How did he endure all of that? Well, the author of Hebrews tells us. He endured the suffering of this world by looking to the next. It said, who for the joy set before him. What was the joy set before him? It was the hope of heaven. It was the hope that someday soon he was going to return to the heavenly father from whence he came. What worked for Jesus is the same thing that will work for us. When we go through the hardship of this life, instead of looking down at the misery and the heartache and the suffering and the pain, we need to look up to the hope of heaven and know that this is temporary. This is going to pass. 
this is not what my life was meant for. It's to be with him forever. Now my dad had a saying. If it sounds too good to be true, finish it for me. It probably is. I would be watching television with my parents and some ad would come on about this amazing product that just basically would solve every problem you have. You know, if you buy this product, life will be great. And I'd say, Dad, we got to get one of those. <laughs> It'll solve all your problems. They'd say, son... <laughs> There's no product will do what that says it'll do. It's too good to be true. And you know, many times in life it is. But God anticipated that we're going to think that way. You know, you read, you read this in Revelation, and no mourning, no crying, no sickness, nor pain. Uh, the perishables clothed with the imperishable, the mortal with the immortal. We're in the presence of God. That, that's just too good to be true. God anticipated we think that way. And that's why he ended with verse 5 there. Where he said, I am making everything new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God is saying to us, I know this sounds too good. I know you're going to struggle to believe in the wonders of heaven, in the blessing of heaven, in the glory of my presence in heaven. But I'm telling you, it's absolutely, positively true. And the reason you can believe it is because of the one who tells you. The Bible says that God is ever faithful. His word is trustworthy and true. He's never made a promise he didn't keep. He's never offered us a blessing that he didn't give. And he said, because I am trustworthy and true, my word is trustworthy and true. And when I tell you that this is the hope of heaven, you can count on it with your very lives. So I want to end with Jesus' promise. Another word that is trustworthy and true in John 14, 1 to 3. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you. But I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me. That where I am, you may be also. For the time being, I live in this world. I know the joys and I know the sorrows. I know the good, I know the bad. I know the faithfulness and I know the sinfulness of my life. And through it all, I know that someday I will be with Him. I will see Him in all of His glory and all the tears 
all the sadness, all the pain, all the heartache will be gone. And I will only know the glory of his presence. For the time being, I can only imagine what that will be like. Let us pray. You have to have Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. John, writing in another place in the Bible, says, He who has the Son has life, but he who has not the Son has not life. The hope of heaven comes from the presence of Christ because he's the one that died on the cross that our sins might be forgiven and we can be forever with him. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've never committed your life to him, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It would be my privilege, my joy to receive you, to pray with you, to lead you in what we call a confession of faith, which is simply a statement that says, I believe in Jesus and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. We'll arrange for your baptism and the hope of heaven will be yours.
Oh 